From local to global, we bring you the best conversations with your favorite athletes and Olympians. This is the Olympics.com podcast. Welcome to our latest Olympics.com podcast. We're in for a real treat. This is a story of sand, surf, surfboard, and self-discovery. Tom here with you as usual, but what's unusual, actually unprecedented, is the work of world-class surfer Brisa Hennessy. We caught up with Brisa just ahead of the ginormous International Surfing Association's World Surfing Games in El Salvador. Proudly connected to her Costa Rican and Islander roots, in other realms, the 23-year-old Hennessy would be called, I don't know, a prodigy. But I prefer surfing savant, wise beyond her years, inspired by her natural surroundings, and already accomplished. I think it's like the closest that you'll ever get to a higher power. Like you literally feel like God in the barrel or anything you believe in. Truly riding her own wave, Brisa Hennessy is among the few who have already provisionally qualified, but she's in for the second Olympic surfing event at Paris 2024. In the debut of surfing at Tokyo 2020, she finished fifth. Brisa barreled onto the world scene back in 2019, the first Costa Rican to qualify for the WSL, the World Surfing League Championship Tour, AKA the Dream Tour. Oh, by the way, she was <laughs> named Rookie of the Year. Last year, Brisa won her first event and finished top five in the world. And while her star power is bright, Brisa is human not immune from the complexities of life. The meteoric rise in 2019 came with consequences. She says she lost a sense of self, left pondering who is Brisa on land and who is Brisa on the water. She spent the pandemic isolated in Fiji with friends and family. <laughs> there are worse places to be marooned. But feeling lost inside had hounded her since she was 16. Recently on her Instagram, Brisa opened up about depression, body image issues, and an eating disorder. As she said, leading her down a pretty toxic path. That's like your greatest weapon. And I think the minute that you know that vulnerability is your superpower and that it could, it could connect you to so much more than you would ever imagine is when your life changes. Among the great strides we've made as a society overall is yep, creating understanding spaces to allow athletes to share their truths and issues, largely without judgment. I mean, who among us hasn't dealt with stuff, mental and or physical in your life? So with that as a backdrop, time to bring in Brisa. She's the face of surfing in Costa Rica, a quarterfinalist in the first ever Olympic surfing event at Tokyo 2020, and will, I don't know, barring a tsunami of unlikely happenings, make the Paris 2024 Summer Games. She's been Rookie of the Year on the Dream Tour, now recognized as, obviously, one of the top surfers in the world, all at 23. And there's so much more about Brisa Hennessy that we will get into. Welcome to the Olympics.com podcast, uh, Brisa. So glad to have you with us. Thank you. No, the honor is mine. I, gosh, even mentioning the word Olympics, I think just gets me excited, I think, for next year. And it's coming up so quick. And um, yeah, thank you for having me. Sure. So where to start? Uh, this is always uh, an interesting question for uh, me when I'm doing a podcast. Uh, so when you think about your story, where would you begin? I mean, you're born in po born in uh, Costa Rica. I'm assuming on land, right? Uh, <laughs> or does your story begin with your safe place, the water? You tell me. Yeah, you know, we do actually come from water, right? In, mm -hmm. in general, um, and I feel like we all are called back to the sea in some form, right? Water is part of our being. Um, and at least for me, I think I was definitely born onto a surfboard. Can't confirm it with my parents yet, but <laughs> that has been my life. But um, yeah, I was born and raised off the grid in Costa Rica where I found my love for surfing and my parents shared their gifts with me. And um, I was able to kind of crazily make it into a career and, um, yeah, I mean, it's a it's a wild story if if you want to keep going. <laughs> oh, 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 we're going to keep going. <laughs> so how, how did you get involved? What or who was key? 
Uh, both my parents. Um, yeah, they, they had a dream of, um, you know, driving down to Costa Rica and they ended up, you know, stumbling upon Matapalo, uh, the Osa Peninsula, and they didn't leave for 14 years. And um, then shortly after I was born, and they ran a surf school down there. And my dad was a professional fisherman. And my mom also was a chef at one of the mm-hmm. eco lodges. And they, yeah, the ocean was everything to them. And I, they always had a dream to, for all of us to surf together as a family. And so I think it was, you know, their goal to like, not make me a surfer, but at least to love the ocean. And I, I think I already had that in my genes and in my blood. Not a hard sell at all. All right. Uh, I mentioned our social questions in the in the run up to the beginning of this. Uh, so the first one is one that it, at first is it's kind of weird to me, but it, it's it's an everybody everyday question. Have you ever been close to drowning? Uh, you know what? You know, I think there was one time where I could really say that I I thought that that was it. <laughs> Um, it was in, in Western Australia and this, this one set kind of closed out the bay and I've never seen a bigger wave in my entire life. And in that moment, I was like, I looked at my friend and we were both laughing at each other because there's nothing else to do. Um, and I just remember doing probably 30 somersaults underwater and I was not necessarily happy about it, but I also know that you know, I was trying to make it a dance party. I was like, Hey, let's, let's put on some dance tunes. Like <laughs> this is the craziest wild moves that I'll ever, I'll ever do in my entire life. But, um, no, I ended up breaking my board and I came up to the surface and I was okay. And, uh, gave me confidence that, you know, the ocean is a powerful place and it humbles you. Um, but yeah, you, I did not die. So that's good. That is <laughs> very good. It seems like you kind of, at some level you understood to just go with it and not fight it because you're not going to win. So you might as well, like you said, enjoy the show. <laughs> For sure. No, that's, that's life, isn't it? It's like, you have to go with the flow. And I think the minute that you start panic, panic could kill you. Right. But fear is healthy. And I think I always go back to that. I was like tuning into my emotions of what's in hand, but knowing that I, I can't fight it either. You know, it's mother nature and right. mother nature always wins. For sure. Uh, you have so many fans around the world, and our social team has done a great job gathering these questions. We'll have more as we go along. Um, so how long did it take for you to get comfortable on a board where, you know, you really felt in control and, and talented? That's a great question. Um, I clearly remember... So I moved to Hawaii after nine years of my life in Costa Rica, And that's where like, I, you know, got the surfing bug. I was like, you know, I loved it. It was, it was part of me. And when I moved to Hawaii, you know, it was a, I saw a different culture, right? It was, it was competitive surfing and there was like the best in the world there. Um, and one of the reasons I really got into competitive surfing was because of my uncle, Greg Nakamura, and he used to compete an incredible, incredible surfer. And I went into his trophy room and I was like, of course, that was my, first intention. I was like, Oh my gosh, look at these trophies. But, um, (laughs) so yeah, he took me out to his home break at bowls in, in Oahu. And I clearly remember like doing my first, um, like my first turn and like actually throwing spray. And that was like a moment that like totally changed my life. (laughs) Yeah. That, uh, yeah, those are those are like lifelong memories. That one moment. So, um, if you fast forward just a little bit, uh, talent and inner drive, as you just mentioned, to compete, and then all of a sudden you enter a different universe, right? Uh, do you remember what that was like? Where you go from you know fun and nature, and all of a sudden you mention Hawaii and competition and you know the fear, but then you're good, so you want to compete. Yeah, it was, it was definitely a big, I think, change for me where I think my parents had to question, like, you know, do I want to compete? Like, do I have that competitive inner drive? Right. Like I came from, you know, homeschooled. I came from a school that, you know, had four kids in my class, let alone 20 in the whole school. You know, um, I lived completely off the grid. There was probably two other kids in that area that surfed. Like I was, I was such a monkey jungle girl, like so, so different than anyone else. And I I definitely felt that when I moved to Hawaii and like the competitive aspect, you know, like 
you're kind of going into the spotlight. Like, I don't know if I was going to be prepared to do that, but I think it was like my survival instinct of like, you know, there's jaguars and there's like monkeys and like snakes in the jungle. It was like survival. Like I, that's kind of how I get my competitive drive. And I, I think I, I loved it. Like it, it made me, I don't know. I could be anyone who I wanted to be. And that was cool. That, that is really cool. Uh, so you're telling me when you grow up, you had no cell phone. <laughs> That's, no. That doesn't happen these days, you know? <laughs> oh my gosh. I've, we had um, VH radios. That's how the community got in contact. There was no cell phones whatsoever. We didn't have electricity. We had a generator. Um, our house was completely open and it was, it was living to the simplest at its fullest. And we need to go back to that. And I, I really thank my lucky stars every day that I was able to experience that because I feel like every kid, every human on being needs to disconnect in this world um, and reimmerse themselves in, in nature. I'm going to pull that and sell it to my kids. Uh, <laughs> we're all trying to go back in time where life is less complicated, although I get that social media and all these all this information is is double edged, right? It's so much, so much information and you can go far and learn. And but then there's the other side. It's uh, kind of crazy. All right. Fan question number two. Uh, this is good. What emotions do you feel when you're on your board and barreling, barrel riding? Whoa. Um, describing barrel riding, I think it's like the closest that you'll ever get to a higher power. Like you literally feel like God in the barrel or anything you believe in. It's like this time stops, but time is so fast and you're so present. It's like, it's so wild. It's like, you're supposed to be in there. And gosh, it's like, you don't really remember your barrels. You just almost like remember the feeling of the barrel. Like, uh, it's so wild. I hope everyone gets to experience that because it changes your life. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think a lot, most of us won't ever be in a barrel unless, <laughs> unless it's a bad thing. But, uh, so it happens so quickly that when it ends, are you thrilled or are you wishing for another, like you'd like to, ex they don't extend long. You're in and out. Right. Well, I think that's what makes it so special, right? It's like, you don't know when you're going to get a barrel and you don't know how long it's going to be. And having that like unclarity, like that's what makes it so special, right? The more that we get, the more normal it is, but barrels are so, it's like one in a billion, you know, one in a million. It's like so small, the percentage. So, uh, also, I, th I think you have one of the great pandemic stories uh, in the history of pandemic stories. Uh, you were marooned, isolated on Fiji during COVID. And there are other places, there are far worse places to be, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm very, very blessed that I got to be on this little island in the middle of the Pacific with amazing waves. And to be with my family, I think that was a huge key in it. Um it was, it was pretty wild. I mean, there was, there was times, you know, I thought we were going to get invaded by pirates. Um, and then there was times where, you know, we were getting the best waves of our, our lives. And so it was kind of a roller coaster of emotions. I think being stuck there and you, you had to really turn inward. Um, I felt like I learned a lot about myself, just being by myself. And, um, I think it shaped me a lot on, on, on who I was and how I, I wanted to live my life after hopefully everything as we're grateful, everything kind of has come back to normal, but you know, what, what do I want to do after, you know, the world goes back to normal or normal, you know? Right. right. I also saw in that, the in your perspective, uh, Fiji perspective that you, you took, like you guys were stocking the kitchen and you go, we're preparing for the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> we were, we were ready for anything to be honest, but you know, I'm grateful. My dad's a professional fisherman, so he catches the fish. Mom and I cook it, you know, it's, we started a garden. It was, um, it was a place where I think we really connected to our roots and it, it was really similar to Costa Rica. And so I think that's why we thrived and we came together as a community and, um, 
yeah, I, I learned a lot during that time. It was, it was definitely a, a wild experience. And then, uh, then you had to, uh, or got a chance to, you know, go back, step back, um, onto the merry-go-round of, of world-class surfing. Tokyo 2020 happened, 2021, actually. Uh, how was your first Olympics? I mean, you, you raved when we started, and there's another one coming, but how was the first one? Gosh, it was more than I could have ever dreamed of. You know, it was the first in surfing mm -hmm. ever. And so we didn't really know what to expect. And all I know and all all of my fellow competitors knew that they wanted to we wanted to bring the sport of surfing higher up and i think reach more people and and show what surfing is and how magical it is and hopefully like inspire that little girl you know watching from across the world to get in the ocean participate in sport and you know maybe even try surfing um and i think i think we we're doing that and um i think that was like the, my biggest takeaway is is that you can have that effect on people through sport. Um, and also you can really come together um, as a country. Like it was amazing to feel the support of Costa Rica. Like, and I, I left that place, like really finding my why and finding my purpose and knowing that, you know, I get to surf for something bigger than myself. And like, how amazing is that? So um, yeah, it was a very emotional, emotional event and, and seeing, yeah, all the inspirational stories and athletes, like it was, it was pretty wild. <laughs> and, and I mean, I'm imagining you're sort of, uh, summarizing what opening ceremonies was like, huh? I mean, did you, oh my God. and then, and, and you contrast that with likely opening ceremonies for Paris, that's not going to be possible because <laughs> you're going to be yeah. in Tahiti. So, I, I mean, opening in, in Tokyo was, was everything you just described, right? Exactly. I'm so glad that, you know, I was able to, to really witness that, um, especially going into Tahiti because I've never seen anything like it, like just all the different countries in the world and, and how, you know, we're all so different, right. But we can all come together through sport or something that we love. And I think it was such a pivotal moment, I think too, for the world, um, you know, just going, coming out of COVID, I think it was such a, it need like the world needed it. Like, and I, I could feel that. And yeah, it still gives me like goosebumps, like just watching everything and like hearing, you know, John Lennon imagine. And there was just so many like little moments within that where I was like, wow, like this is, this is, um, this is changing through sport. Uh, next fan question. And it's a, it's a tricky one. <laughs> How does Olympic scoring work in surfing? Oh my goodness. Um, I think it's, it's, it's a little bit of a gotcha, which I'm sorry. <laughs> I think, well, it's definitely still one through 10 on a wave. Okay. Um, and I'm pretty sure it's still two waves, I think. Yeah. 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 I think it's pretty much the same. Um, but yeah, you count your top two and, uh, you know, you're scored, you know, one through 10 or zero through 10 and, um, yeah, you're, you're hoping that you have the highest heat total to, to make it onto the next round. But in the thought process, you, you're not thinking about like, you know, hitting something. You're just trying to ride whatever wave there is and do what you do. Right. And it's mostly, you're trying to just feel it. Yeah, exactly. I think that's what separates it a lot from any other sports, right? Like any other sport, you're kind of you have a goal, like in some way, like you, you know, the, the hoop is right there. You're going to put the basket in there. Surfing is like, you know, is there a wave going to come? And like, when the wave comes, it's like, it might be the store score. It might not be, you have to create the score. It's like, it's a very, um, incredible challenge of being in the present moment. And that's like, that's, it's so important. Uh, February, 2022, um, talk about, you know, you're coming out of COVID now and then the real world, you won your first world surfing tour, dream tour event, leading to now being provisionally qualified for another Olympics, Paris 2024. I mentioned that barring a tsunami because provisionally basically means you're going, uh, in Tahiti. So how does that sound when, when you hear that? I know it's a long way off. 
but it's kind of cool because you can ramp up for it. You don't have to worry about how you're doing today and next week and next month necessarily. For sure. Yeah. I mean, just this, the sound of, of, you know, Chopu and Tahiti, it, it, um, I feel all the emotions already. It's like, it's such a wild wave. You know, it's one of the most dangerous waves in the world. One of the most beautiful waves in the world, one of the most perfect waves in the world. And it's in the place that like reminded me a lot of, of Costa Rica in some ways, just like how the people were so connected to each other and like mother nature is like absolutely thriving. And I think it's a, it's a beautiful spot to show, you know, what surfing is and how incredible waves are, you know, when they, when they're doing their thing. And, um, I hope it turns on for us and I'm just mentally preparing because it's, uh, <laughs> it takes a lot of mental strength. I think that's going to be the biggest key. <laughs> right. Um, so surf in Sheba, the Tokyo venue versus surf in, um, you know, in, in Tahiti, um, what's i know the difference is pretty big because you know it, they probably weren't the the most challenging waves there but it was a different kind of a different kind of challenge for you than than you know what's coming in chapel right oh definitely um you know it's cool right in some form because that's what surfing is you know it's it's never very consistent it's like you're gonna surf a beach break one day and it's gonna be one foot and then you know the next contest it could be 20 foot on a reef um so i think it shows like how different and and diverse surfing can be and how you really have to adapt and um to be a well-rounded surfer you really have to kind of be good at everything you know and it's it's crazy. It's, it's hard to explain, but, um, yeah, going from beach breaks to reef breaks, I feel a little bit more comfortable. Um, beach breaks is not my strong suit. I've, I've come from lots of different reef breaks. Like that's where I feel comfortable with and, you know, growing up in, in Costa Rica, but also having that time in, in Fiji, uh, which is like a perfect left barrel too. I'm like hoping to put in some more time out there so I can be comfortable in Tahiti. While I have you on that, explain what a left barrel is to someone who, you know, swims around in a pool. <laughs> Gosh, so honestly, I'm still confused with my left and right. Okay. When you explain on a wave, but <laughs> lefts are actually when you're looking at the wave, it's on your right, which is just bizarre. So if you can imagine that, but of course, if you're surfing it, it's a left. Um, a barrel is is when a wave is, yeah. is kind of forming a tube and it's it's wild it like creates a room and it's just water all over but it has to be a certain like shape for it to actually be round you know and um surfers try to go in into that thing <laughs> and right. try to make it out and tahiti is a perfect um the most most perfect version of that so maybe really for you Fabrice, more comfortable um, in Chihupa than maybe in Sheba. Just a more natural feel for you. Definitely, for sure. I um, I definitely feel more comfortable on reef breaks, and you know, I hope I hope that that can show. <laughs> right. Uh, okay. Final fans question: What's it like competing in a sport? And I've wondered this, too, that is so dependent on the variables of the environment. I mean, weather, you got to be a meteorologist. You wake up in the morning and you look out. And even if you know the reef surfing, it's you're still looking around, right? Yeah, no, it's pretty crazy. Like, I think it really shows you how to not have any expectations. And, you know, the minute that you have any expectations, it's it's not going to be what you think it is ever. Right. And, um, you learn a lot about yourself actually as a human. And I feel like that's why surfers are sometimes are mostly really evolved because nothing is set in stone being a surfer, like change is constant. You're trying to live in the moment because that's the only way you can win. Your mentality has to be like the strong, like way stronger than your talent. Like, it's, it's, it's crazy. Like you, you're, I think surfers have to have a more strong mind than anyone could ever imagine because 
the roller coaster emotions that you feel constantly is the most draining thing ever, but it can also really set you free too. Like if you just show up to a contest and have no expectations and just go with the flow, that's when you're going to do your best. So it's, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, of course, as, as you've talked about, and, you know, certainly you've had the weather storms from within as well. And recent years. We honor your courage, by the way, in making yourself vulnerable and speaking about uh, things few could ever know about you, uh, which makes all you've accomplished at 23 so much more impressive. Uh, you said you lost a sense of yourself. Who is Brisa on land? Who is Brisa on water? And that was, you know, I guess from the age of 16 on, as you were, you know, you're ex- understanding surfing and then you're going through COVID. And so where are you now? What what was what was hitting you then? Yeah, that's it's a great question. I think I'm, you know, the journey of finding herself is constant. And I think that's what I've actually tried to really tried to embrace. I think just recently that knowing that at any given moment, like you can change and you can grow. And that's that's so beautiful. Um, and I think kind of letting go that that feeling of trying to be someone is is really making me fly a lot more. Um, and you know, I I think it's it's a lifetime of of living, <laughs> you know. And um, I don't know. I just I feel like I have a bigger purpose and why now. You know, I think I mentioned you know the you know leaving the Olympics and and seeing how much support I get from Costa Rica and, and seeing that I could hopefully make a little girl go surfing is like what's in me now. And, and now that I want to be a little bit more vulnerable and and speak about challenges and, and know that, you know, yes, I have a beautiful life, but I, I want to be open and I want to be raw and show that I'm human. And, um, you know, we all go through challenges is, is helping me really shape who I am. And that shape is constantly going to change. That's powerful. And, and, you know, what we are on the insides versus outside so, so often, um, especially for someone, you know, who's successful, uh, you talked about it leading you down a toxic path, brain fog, depression. And, and I would imagine with the chill lifestyle and sport you do, that would be the furthest thing. And that, that sort of speaks to your individual challenge, whatever was going on, right? I mean, it had to be confusing to you too. What is this? No, exactly. And I think that's what, that's what kind of makes it worse. Like I was, I was like, why am I feeling this way? You know, um, I think you question that a lot, but you know, to anyone out there listening, it's like anything that you're feeling, any challenge that you're going through, it's, it's valid. You know, you're so, you're, it's okay to have those emotions and feelings. It's, it's, it's part of living this life and, and being human is hard and, um, you know, navigating your way through life is, is hard. And, um, you know, I'm trying to find my way and I know how blessed I am. And, um, you know, I want to live in, in this world where, you know, we can all experience, you know, be more in the experiencing mind instead of judging and, and, and telling our stories and, and being courageous and compassionate and, and know that, you know, our fears, our deepest fears are what shape us to who we are. And the minute that we embrace that, I think the minute that we, we are able to, to really grow. I'm not sure if you're aware of this, maybe you, you are these days, but uh, you know, it's always easy to criticize sort of the way, where we are in the world with all of the issues, but uh, we are so far along on the way of accepting and understanding and honoring people going through struggles than we were like when I was growing up, you know, the whole thing was be strong, you know, don't show it, don't give up, don't show your weakness, you know, keep it in, figure it out. Are you aware of how, how lucky you are to live in this time? Right. No, definitely. It's, and I think it's, it's a balance, right? I think it's so important to, to kind of have that inner strength and, and I think, know that you can power through, but it's, I think we need to be more open and more vulnerable 
as a society. I think that's the only way that we can really come together as a community um, because community brings change and it, and it brings love. And um, yeah, I, I, I think that we have a, a little bit to go, but um, <laughs> I hope that we can, <laughs> I think we need to do that more often. I imagine the feedback you've received since you started talking about your challenges uh, has surprised you and probably really um, emboldened you and, and warmed you inside. Yeah, it was it was hard to, I think, put that out there and to be vulnerable. I mean, to be honest, I was scared. Of course. <laughs> um, but I had in my heart that if I could help one other person, that it was worth it it was, it was like my calling to do. And I, you know, I, I had kind of that post kind of lingering in my mind for probably a year because I've been struggling with this for kind of over a year. And I felt like I was in a fight with my body and my mind and questioning, like, why, why is this happening to me? Like what's wrong with me? And, um, and I think the moment that I, you know, I put that out there, did I truly realize the extent of like, so many people are going through things, you know, the silent battles that we know nothing about is, is huge, you know, and I think social media is such a, an incredible platform, but also yes. really destructive in the way that we see people. And I like, want to see you. I, I don't want to, I don't want to see, I don't know. I just, I, I want to see you as a person. And I think we see things that are, you know, fake all the time on Instagram. And I think that's, what's really hurting our society. And I hope that, you know, we could lift each other up more in ways on social media and outside of social media where we practice more compassion. And, um, I, you know, I'm still on this journey of trying to be more vulnerable and I need, I have a long way to go. And I, you know, I'm such guilt, I'm guilty of, you know, posting my highlight reel of living on Emoju and, and all these things, but you know, I, I'm human and I, I have struggles all the time. Have you found that, um, it probably I would imagine part of your overall recovery is that, that during these times where you're sharing and, and as you said, uh, making yourself vulnerable and opening up and giving in a sense that it helps you. And maybe the more you give, you know, as long as it's proportional to your, to your own time, but the more you give, the better you feel. It's kind of a crazy formula. It, it truly is. And I think, you know, in your, in your gut and in your heart, when it's the, it's the right amount to share or the right amount to give. Like, I think, you know, it in all of your being. And that's what I felt with, with my post. And I think the minute that I did that, I can't, I can't even tell you the weight that was lifted off my shoulders and how I knew that hopefully I was helping others, but that I could actually, I was walking around and I was like, I'm, I'm not being like, I'm not trying to be anyone. I'm just trying to be Brisa, you know, and I'm not trying to live up to these expectations that I put myself on. Um, and I think to have that inner power now, um, and I'm still struggling with it, but that's like your greatest weapon. And I think the minute that you know that vulnerability is your superpower, and that it could it could connect you to so much more than you would ever imagine is when your life changes. Was there a particular response you got uh, that you remember from anybody? Oh gosh, I'll, I have to say that whole day, like I, I, I like I never cry. Like I just I normally just like hold it in. Like I'm a very emotional person, but for some reason, like I never cry. And that whole day I cried the whole day. Like it was, it was such an emotional day, I think for me, but I don't know. There wasn't one message that really, you know, there actually there was one, it was, it came from my, one of my aunts. Um, she said that the minute that, you know, we share our stories and our deepest fears is the moment that we, we build community and, and we build, you know, change within that community. Um, 
And I thought, you know, that's like, it's so true. Like for me to actually see all these people like come together, right. We're from different parts of the world, all sharing something that's, that's so like valid and and real. Like, of course we have different struggles, but it's like, we're human. Like in that moment, we're coming together as human beings. And like, that was like, so, so powerful to me. Uh, So the latest, I guess, is that you were scheduled for surgery on your pituitary gland. And now, from what I understand, that's on hold and you're looking at other options. Where are we exactly with that? Because I I guess your schedule isn't so much dependent now because you're focusing really on on Paris 2024. You have time to deal with anything, right? Yeah. You know, I'm really, really lucky that... um you know, WSL gave me the wild card for next year. And, you know, I was able to get the amazing news of qualifying for the Olympics. Um, And at this point I really centered myself around healing. And like, to be honest, I really don't know what that's going to look like, but I know that I, I do have a long way to go. Like, and I, you know, I don't really feel myself completely at this time. Well, I do feel myself in a lot of ways, but um, (laughs) just, yeah, we're just currently, you know, um, looking at different doctors and different alternatives, um, trying to find the best option, I think for me for the long term, And, um, you know, I hope we can find the answers we're here in San Francisco and, um, you know, with the best doctors in the world. So, um, yeah, I have that clarity of that. And I know that I'm taking everything that I can in control and, um, that's given me a lot of peace. That's really good. Uh, you, you've said you want to be an inspiration for little girls growing up, inspiring them to be great. But I think to be honest and to seek help if they need it. And I think that's another really powerful part of your story that I get right now, just in the 35 minutes we've been talking. Yeah, that's, that's everything. I mean, you know, I talked about a purpose and a why and like, you know, going through this challenge, it's, it's bizarre. Challenges bring out, sometimes the best in you. And that's, that's so wild in that moment where you don't see a future, the light starts to lit up like brighter than you could have ever imagined. And I see that now, like I see my light and my light is that I need to, to share my story more. And I, I want to help young girls and I want them to know that they're fearless and they're strong and, and they can be vulnerable and they could be anyone who they want to be. And, you know, it's a constant journey and I, I want them to know that it's, it's hard, but they're going to make it through and they're going to come out a bigger, more beautiful, better person than they could have ever imagined. So, uh, you know, this, this is, how is your challenge to be okay with your surfing and with adjusting to the real world? How is that? going because it seems like you know there's land and sea and then there's great surfer and oh by the way as you mentioned you know the real world with competition and olympics and it's it couldn't be any more diametrically opposed (laughs) for sure yeah it's it's crazy huh like i feel like the ocean it brings you so much peace and it's like all that matters is the present moment because yeah you can't can't control anything. It's just whatever is, is, and then you get on land and that's when your human side comes out and you're trying to control everything and you're trying to make schedules and lists. And it's like, Oh gosh, it's, it's pretty wild. And I'm, I'm in that situation right now where I'm like, I'm trying to be a fish out of water and it's, and I'm trying to schedule everything and accomplish things. But then I'm like, what about the in-between moments? Like when do we ever take those times to like sit in silence and be okay with not filling this, this quiet time with a void, you know? Um, and I think that's been my biggest goal. So what do you do when you're not, I mean, obviously you, you, you surf and that's your vocation and your profession. And it's also, uh, you know, so surreal kind of, it it gives you peace. What do you do now on land to chill? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I, I love to cook. Ah, The kitchen is my, is my therapy. It's, um, 
gosh, it gives me so much happiness. So yeah, I love, I love cooking. Um, I love writing poetry. I think that's my time when I want to reflect on things and express my emotions. Um, I love painting. Um, and I recently have been learning how to play pickleball. <laughs> that is an up and coming sport. And I imagine you'd be good at it. Um, I am it's okay. probably below average. Below average. <laughs> I'm pretty good at dinking. Okay. Yeah. I'm getting, <laughs> getting the words. So that's, that's all important, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, nicknames. What are your nicknames over time from like when they, you were a little kid and then now? Oh gosh, you're going to put me on the spot. Well, if you don't, if you don't know them, that's fine. But I mean, there's gotta be one or two, right? Oh no, I, I know them. I just don't know if you're prepared for them. (laughs) I'm, I'm, I'm from New York. I'm prepared. (laughs) Well, um, yeah, I don't think I've ever shared this on a podcast before, but yeah, my, the, the one that has been like with me forever. That's like the OG is Bungaboo. Bungaboo, which is like, I don't even know where it's come from, but yeah, Bungaboo and Bear. Bear. I'm like, I was almost going to be known as Brisa Bear Hennessy, and I was like, gosh, like, what the heck? I should have been named that. Yeah. It's like so rad. But yeah, Brisa Bear Hennessy, and um, what else? There's a bunch. Like, obviously, I'm called Monkey. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm still called Bear, and I'm like, wow, in public, seriously? So yeah, if you. <laughs> you want to call me bear you're super free to call me bear but yeah those are like the best ones i think yeah (laughs) those are good ones do do you have a nickname for your boards for my boards you you don't have names like that you go to in in a you know in a bad weather you go to this one or (laughs) not really no i i know a lot of people that nickname their boards but um no not recently no i haven't does that give you an idea or you just don't, you're just not, you don't do that. <laughs> uh, maybe I should, maybe I should for sure. I think it's like, yeah, no, I like the idea. Definitely. I just, yeah, they're all equal to me. Yeah, so of I course. Just, and you don't want to have I mean? a favorite. You don't want to exactly. have a favorite. I just, yeah. I don't want to do that. You know, they're, they have feelings too. <laughs> uh, let's talk about Paris 2024. It's July 27th through the 30th of 2024. Uh, opening ceremonies you mentioned you probably i don't know how they'll work it you'll have your own experience of opening ceremonies on tahiti um when you look ahead what comes to mind as as i bring this up i think it's going to be an experience that is going to be different again (laughs) you know i i don't think we're really going to to know what what it's really going to be and that's exciting to me. I mean, just having surfers all in Tahiti together is, is going to be pretty wild. Um, and I don't know. I really have no expectations. I'm very excited. Your hopes and dreams surfing at uh, Tiahupo. Very familiar waters. I want to say you have like a home surf advantage, kind of, a little bit. <laughs> I hope so. Um yeah, I definitely want to work more on my braille writing for sure. Um, but the last time I was there for the the CT event, I definitely right. felt at home. You had second I, place, right? In I did. Yeah, yeah. Tahiti Pro. <laughs> it was it was cool. Like I I think I thrive a lot when it's just you and the wave in the ocean, and I love how that wave is like in the middle kind of in the middle of the ocean and you're like so disconnected from land. It like makes you really feel like, yeah, it's just me. I'm just a competitor. I'm, I'm just me in the ocean. And like, you don't know your land self at all. Right. You're like leaving your, your crazy brain on land and you're able to really focus on, um, you know, what the task is. And it was, it was a, a place that you really get to connect to the waves unlike any other place. And so I hope I can, I can connect like that. And we mentioned this earlier, it's, it's challenging waters, isn't it? I mean, it's scary. And if, uh, if it's too, if the, if the the surf is too high, you have to, that's why there's three days there. I mean, you never know, right? Yeah. It's, (laughs) is it only a three day waiting period? 
Uh, it's a it's, three days for the events. Twenty six to wow. four, I guess. Twenty seven, twenty eight, twenty nine, thirty. Yeah, that's that's crazy. See, you don't know what you're going to get. You might get really really flat conditions where you know you're on the reef, or you get thirty foot, and that's not fun either. Or it could be absolutely perfect and. I just know that whatever it is, it's going to be a show and it's going to be very exciting. And like I said before, I'm mentally preparing every single day. <laughs> That's cool. Uh, we're winding down here. So I, uh, I, I'm an athlete a long time ago. I played a lot of basketball and, and there's this theme among, you know, athletes about either, you know, being in the moment or uh, that things slow down or the adrenaline rush, you know, how that carries them. Is there an adrenaline, adrenaline rush? In the moment, I mean, it goes by so quickly. Does it hit you afterward or as the wave is coming? When's that adrenaline rush? Ah, that's interesting. That's a great question. I would say right before the wave is coming and maybe right before you're about to stand up. But once you're on the wave, I don't feel anything. Like time literally stops and you're just like in the sensation mode of like, smelling everything, like tasting everything, like experience everything. Like it's just like, boom, like sensation overload, I'd say. Um, and then right after is like when it hits you too. Um, yeah, your, your adrenals are so they're really screwed up for sure. I think that's why I have <laughs> adrenal fatigue. Like I'm not even joking. like, this is one of my biggest health problems is I have adrenal fatigue. You got to so. dial it back. <laughs> exactly. If you want to know if your adrenals are working and you have adrenaline, then ask me because okay. yeah. It's working. Well, that's an interesting yeah. insight into what's going on. Um, yeah. Okay. So Costa Rica, I got history for you. Four Olympic medals, all time, one gold medal. And the last medal was Sydney 2000. So here's the quintessential question. What would it mean for Brisa Hennessy to be on the podium? Let's say, let's go ahead and go gold and it's the national anthem. I mean, let's go ahead and spice this up. <laughs> wow. Wow. Definitely put me on the spot here. I, I would not be talking right now. I would definitely be crying. <laughs> and I would just, my heart would be like overwhelmed with, with pride. I think, and, and knowing that, you know, this small country of Costa Rica would be put on the map again and their hearts and souls and the message of Pura Vida would be able to, to sing as, as loud as we could is, is really, really special. So I, I hope I can do that for them. And Absolutely. For me, so <laughs> my last question uh, is it, you know, you built a, a career and you're working through the normal processes of growing up. I mean, you're 23 and, you know, I have so much of life down the road. What do you think, if, as you look into your crystal ball, not that I want to push you there, your, your life is full and, and, and amazing now, with, especially with what's approaching. Do, do you want to go to many Olympics or do you, do you want to move on? Is there a family? Do you want to cook? You have a restaurant? Where are you as, you know, the, the later you? Oh, and you gosh. don't have to, I don't want to make you project if you're not, because, you know. <laughs> no. no, it's good to have goals for sure. Um, I think you mentioned like to cook and I would love to have a restaurant one day and like somehow it, you know, giving back to, to communities or something along the lines of that. Um, I definitely want to work with, you know, children um, trying to get children into sports, um, trying to get children into nature. Um, I think it all sets me up. Like I was talking about this with my mom and like my purpose and, and my why, like, I want to make a big impact, you know, within my sport so I could make a bigger impact later on in my, in my time that I retire. Like that's, that's my biggest goal. So um, you know, I hope I can get those medals and I hope I can, you know, win more, win more championships and, you know, try to be the best in the world so I can have a voice and I can spread more awareness of things that, that matter. Well, you already have a voice and you are already spreading awareness and, uh, we're all benefits of that. And especially the young people who, who are looking up to you and the, so many more people are going to meet you in the run up and, and during, uh, Paris and Tahiti. So, uh, 
I really appreciate it. It's great to get to know you. It's a, one of the advantages. One of the thing, cool things about my job is I get to talk to so many amazing people, and you're uh, one of them. So thank you so much, uh, Brisa, for joining us on this Olympics.com podcast. Thanks so much, Tom. And um, yeah, you'll have to sh show me how to shoot basketball hoops then. Okay. Really good. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, but, you know, um, I, I like to think that at one point I was. Uh, but you'll find out soon enough uh, in the later years, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, can't jump as high. And, you know, then no, it's, You're being humble. sports has been a huge part of my life and team sports, which is different. I was going to get into this with you, but, you know, different. You, 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 I know you do some team events in some ways, but mostly it's just, you know, mano a mano or, you know, woman to woman battling. And yeah. I really love the whole team thing. You know, it's really where I kind of, I love working yeah. with people on that, you know? Yeah. I think that's what I miss a lot too, is like, you have to be so selfish sometimes in surfing and like, you have to be like your own person and be so like individual. And like, I definitely miss or not. I used to be on a volleyball team and mm -hmm. it's like, obviously the shortest one and <laughs> didn't have a future in that, but I really love that team aspect. It was, it definitely was very fulfilling. Yeah. It's like a, a family away from home and you know, you all have the same goals and you travel and you work out and you, you know, you have losses and wins and it's, it's not just a one person thing, you know, it's uh, but uh, yeah, well, best of luck with all that you're going through. And uh, you know, I, I, I think it's cool that you're really taking the time to, and, you know, check everything as, as your, you know, as your possible solutions. And uh, you're doing great. So keep it up. Thank you, Tom. Really appreciate it. Lovely to meet you and um, cross paths sometime. Absolutely. <laughs> it's a small world. Be well. You're listening to the Olympics.com podcast. Like the rising tides, Brisa's star is on ascent. Challenges and all. And now, taking the time to really get herself right, we can't wait to see Brisa's next best version of herself. Then Tahiti 2024, uh, I mean Paris 2024, her second surfing Olympics will be so special regardless of possible results. Hey, if you love surfing like we do, the perfect wave is just a click away. Plenty more surfing content right here on Olympics.com. Road to Tokyo Surfing, the Qualifier Series. The world's top surfers compete for an Olympic qualification spot at the ISA World Surfing Games. Shredding Monsters, Mavericks, Big Wave Legends Garrett McNamara, Jamie Mitchell, and Aaron Gold, among others, surf Mavericks, one of the world's most treacherous big wave breaks. Shredding Monsters, Nazare. Follow Garrett McNamara and a group of the world's best big wave surfers as they descend on Nazare to catch the biggest swell of the year. And Olympic State of Mind, cardio with Italio Ferreira. The world surfing legend competes at the very top in a highly exhausting sport. He trains his body to carry him out to meet and beat each wave that the ocean throws his way. Learn how the 2019 world champion does this and why anyone can improve their cardio capacity. That's it for this episode of the Olympics.com podcast. Hit us up at Olympics with any feedback you have. We love feedback. Helps us to get better. You can also hit me up on my Twitter at TK Sports Tweets. Thanks, and we'll see you next time. For more in-depth and original Olympics-related feature content, search our platforms here on Olympics.com.